Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each week, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube, and on our website at ProChoiceOhio.org. The program also airs each Friday morning at 9 on WGRN 94.1 in Columbus, Ohio. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL ProChoice Ohio. Enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Gabe. Hi, I'm Kelly Copeland. I'm saying my last name because there are several Kellys who work here now. There's so many Kellys on our team. Kellys are awesome. No objection. Uh, <laughs> Kelly, how are you? How have you been? You know, it's it's been stressful like with everyone else. Um, you know, I uh, have kids who uh, work at a grocery store and a restaurant and, uh, you know, like everyone, uh, thankful that we're all still employed and getting a paycheck and, and that, you know, we're as safe as you can be. But um, yeah, I'm just so, so concerned about what's happening to people in terms of their health and their economic well-being and how things are going to go in our state and the country. So I think like everyone else, but um, I think the only positive thing I can say is that uh, my new uh, office mate uh, is my cat, Gracie. He is uh, living what I believe is his best life right now. And so um, I guess that's the state of affairs here from Talmadge, Ohio. <laughs> well, having a cat sounds great. I've got two, uh, two middle school students who are just beating the snot out of each other at every moment. Oh, so God. I really feel for you and all of the parents with the young ones. Uh, the, the kids that I live with are 21 and, um, 19. So that's a little different, but, uh, probably a lot less stressful. So, right. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So you, you said in, in Ohio and across the country, and I feel like those are, uh, for, for, you know, the first time two two kind of decidedly different, uh, you know, set of criteria right there. I feel like Ohio, um, I feel somewhat positive that our state is all working together for the most part. Um, yeah. and, and there's exceptions. exceptions. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to those. But for the most part, um, you know, I, I feel that uh, our communities are all working together to get through this as best we all can. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that, you know, so many employers like us immediately transition to staff working from home, um, doing things to really limit exposure to, to try to, um, you know, lessen the curve. Uh, you know, we're all learning this new public health lingo. And I, I think it's been really encouraging um, to see how many people are listening to the scientists, listening to doctors, um, listening to public health professionals, and, uh, you know, and, and everyday, you know, Ohioans and people across the country doing everything that they can to, you know, slow this uh, virus, but, but also to help each other, um, reaching out to neighbors to see, you know, if they need anything um, from a distance, right. um, you know, finding ways to share resources, you know, whether it's the latest on, how to apply for unemployment if you need that or how to get food resources or 
how to keep your kids um, occupied, how to how to manage all of those things. Um, I've been uh, really impressed too by all of the the artists and the musicians and others who've been um, offering free programming um, or even uh, you know ability to support businesses by uh, and artists by you know uh, purchasing. Uh, passes to online concerts or, or buying a takeout or different things. I just think the way that people are rallying around each other is, is really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned helping, uh, helping thy neighbor. Um, that was actually something that was kind of unexpected uh, on our block is my next door neighbor came to me and said, Hey, my, uh, she's, you know, she's got a, a a daughter who's in college and um, her physician just last week uh, went into retirement and the practice oh, wow. was no longer uh, calling back patients. Uh, this was uh, her daughter's OBGYN. And she's like, we don't know how to get birth control anymore. <laughs> and, oh. and oddly enough, I'm the guy on our block. <laughs> <laughs> You know, few few people would think, well, the man next door knows how to solve this one, but I did, and I was able to uh, email uh, an, an OBGYN that works at Ohio State uh, Medical Center and said, hey, my neighbor needs a referral. Do you know any private practices that are taking patients right now? Uh, and I was able to to get her the information, and, and you know, now uh, she's able to um, kind of get that continuity of care with the new provider um, had we not been going through this, she probably wouldn't have thought, well, let's ask Gabe about, uh, you know, a new OBGYN, so. Right. It's, it's one of those um, sort of other duties as assigned um, things yes. in your job description when you work at NARAL. You're, somehow you become the referral. Yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, we're happy to do so. Um, of course. Right. Uh, okay. So everybody's working together, except we said there was an exception. Let's get to the exception. Oh. Uh, Tell me your thoughts on Dave Yost. <laughs> I, this is being broadcast, so I don't think I can. Um, I will tell you some of my thoughts, not all of them. Um, you know, I think what I, no one, absolutely no one should be forced to stay pregnant ever, especially not during a pandemic. And, not forced to, right? Yeah. It's just, they should not be forced to stay pregnant. And you know, here you have David Yost. Um, if you don't know, he's Ohio's attorney general. Um, and it, it appears to me he's doing this, you know, in collaboration with anti-choice groups like Ohio yes. Right to Life, whose president is also on the state medical board. So if that's news to you, let that sink in about mm -hmm. how inappropriate that is. Um, and you know, as of late last week. Um, you know, they, they put out, you know, they put out letters saying that, um, you know, Ohio's abortion clinics, well, they sent letters to three of them saying that, you know, they should no longer be able to provide care. Um, at least, you know, they, they worded it very, very carefully. Um, but, you know, the, the, what they're trying to do here is they're trying to set the wheels in motion to force Ohio's abortion clinics to close. And I think the way that they're exploiting this COVID-19 uh, pandemic is 
is disgusting. Um, to take something so serious and twist it into a tool to force your ideological agenda on everyone else at a time when people are really vulnerable it is it's just the lowest of the low frankly right that's that's absolutely correct um so he sent out his order um and there was uh there was confusion about what that meant yeah a lot of confusion which is terrible because everything's confusing right now I mean, you know, whether, you know, we'll talk about it later, but, you know, whether it's the election or, you know, what, what is, you know, what, what is the status of your job? You know, what are we supposed to be doing? I mean, all of that's changing moment by moment. And now, you know, this guy rolls up and creates more confusion and, you know, tries to give the impression that abortion clinics are closed um, and that somehow they're not following the directives of the Ohio Department of Health or somehow that they're not following the recommendations of the uh, CDC, which is completely false. Um, When clinics got those letters, they immediately responded and said, of course, we are adhering to all of the orders from the Ohio Department of Health. Of course, we are conserving personal protective equipment and following the guidelines of the CDC. And, and why wouldn't we expect that? I mean, these are, these are public health professionals. <laughs> these are doctors and nurses right. and, you know, people who manage public health facilities. Why would, why would you think that they would be anything but that? They're, I mean, abortion clinics in Ohio must be among the most overregulated uh, medical providers in the world. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we that there's been for for a decade now this attempt by um by elected officials, by administrations, um in looking back through the Kasich administration, there was always this effort to um either imply or sometimes they just directly stated that they thought you know, uh, some abortion clinic in Ohio, if it was Planned Parenthood or one of the independent clinics, there was this claim that, oh, well, they're doing this and this is not right. At, at the same time, overly inspected, you know, the, the dispatch uh, showed a few years back that uh, Ohio abortion clinics were inspected more than like three times as much as other providers. So, with all of these inspections, there was never any actual evidence of anything being done wrong. Abortion providers have been following all the rules. And one of the key ways that we know that is there's been so many investigations and examinations and inspections that don't actually show any rule breaking. They're following the rules. They're doing the best practices to serve their patients and comply with the law. Absolutely. And, you know, the state itself requires reporting. Um, It compiles that report every year. We know that abortion is among, if not the safest um, procedure that a person can have. Um, The complication rate is always less than 1%, less than one half of 1%. I mean, it's extremely low. And, you know, our opponents, you know, like uh, Attorney General Yost, you know, they really like to create this narrative um, that, you know, somehow clinics are, are, are bad actors in the public health arena. And that just is completely false. And, and I think one of the other things, I mean, 
the other things that they're trying to do is say, well, you know, abortion isn't um, essential care. Um, not only is it essential care, it's time sensitive care. Yes. It's not something that you can just say, well, um, you're just going to hit pause on all of this. Um, you can't do that without people facing, you know, very intense um, ramifications. And, you know, even the, oh, I shouldn't say even, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology and seven other major healthcare organizations before David Yost sent out his letter, days before that, had put out a statement nationwide saying, look, abortion is time sensitive and essential and it needs to remain available. Um, and, and some states have said that explicitly. Uh, Massachusetts, I think Illinois, Washington State, um, you know, a number of states have clarified and specifically said that abortion care is essential care and that it needs to be among those essential services that remain available during the COVID-19 crisis. Right. Yeah. I mean, my, my dentist has, you know, told me for two visits that I've got a wisdom tooth and they said, you might want to take a look at that, have a oral surgeon remove that. That is not essential. You know, it's something that once all of this is over, yeah, I'll schedule that procedure and get that taken out. But it's not like, you know, my physical health is dependent on me having this, you know, minor uh, deal. You know, my mom had a colonoscopy uh, appointments that was scheduled for last week that, of course, got canceled. Colonoscopies are important, but that's not essential health. You know, she's fine today, even though she didn't get that colonoscopy. Those sort of things are not time sensitive. They can be pushed back. An abortion, everybody understands when, you know, that, that needs to happen. When the person goes to the clinic for that care, if that doesn't happen then, the circumstances around that pregnancy dramatically change week to week. Uh, you can't just push these off because Dave Yost, you know, has an opinion about them. So, well, uh, is Dave Yost a doctor? <laughs> Last I checked, he is not. <laughs> okay, all right. Because you know, I feel like you know, when you're talking about a pandemic, um, doctors, uh, scientists, um, you know, these are the people who should be making decisions about what care can be safely postponed uh, and what care cannot. Um, that's, I mean, those are the people who should be making those decisions, I think, not, um, right. you know, some politically motivated attorney general who, you know, it's clear to me that they're coordinating with all of these anti-choice groups. And, um, yes. you know, and here's the thing too. I mean, if this was really about the COVID-19 crisis, why aren't they coming forward and saying, you know what? Um, you know, we're going to figure out how to make telemedicine for abortion more accessible. Right. Um, the federal government could do that. Um, they, you know, require that a person um, get the medication for medication abortion in person. Um, there's no study that's a, that says that that's medically necessary. That's a, that's been a political requirement. Um, you know, our state is, you know, considering legislation that would actually ban telemedicine for medication abortion. I mean, if this was really about, you know, limiting exposure, if it was really about, you know, the not using um, protective equipment, um, limiting that, you know, that sort of thing, there, there would be proposals that they could do. They could even make them temporary. 
during you know the COVID crisis. But but no, that's not what they're coming with. What they're coming with is is rhetoric that makes it sound like abortion providers are not um, public health professionals, that they're not taking all of the steps that of course they are um, to keep them their staff and their patients safe. Um, you know they. <laughs> it's just so maddening, you know, because time and time again, our opponents kind of come with this false narrative that whatever they're trying to do is about patient safety. And, you know, even in the whole women's health case from the Supreme Court a couple of years ago, um, the sainted Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, called BS on that and said, come on. I mean, that was out of Texas, you know, they were passing all of these over regulations on abortion providers. And she said, you can't just say it's about preserving the public health. You actually have to demonstrate it. And, you know, so this is, this is the modus operandi of, you know, anti-choice politicians like David Yost. And uh, we had hoped that they would put that sort of thing aside during uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, but um, I guess we expected too much out of them. Right. Um, so then uh, to, to clarify clinic status, um, how, what's, what's the latest with the clinics? The latest is they are complying. They have, re, they have answered, uh, the ones who got letters from the attorney general, they have, uh, with their attorneys answered those letters, um, that they are complying, that they are following all the recommendations and that they're still open, um, providing services to their patients, um, with all of those, um, considerations in mind. Um, so if you need abortion care, you can still get abortion care in Ohio. If you're having, and, and I would urge you, if that's something that, that you care that you feel that you need, I would urge you to contact the clinic nearest you as quickly as possible. Um, we don't know what the future might bring, um, whether um, this will end up in court at some case at, at some point or how that might work out. Um, if you're having trouble, um, with figuring out how to get to a clinic or with expenses around um, getting a procedure, um, absolutely talk to the clinic nearest you. Um, you can also go to the website of our amazing partners at Ohio's uh, statewide abortion fund called Women Have Options Ohio, um, and they may be able to assist you. Um, but, you know, it's really important that people understand that as of today, clinics are still open. Right. Um, and they're providing um, safe, quality, affordable care um, that, that takes the COVID-19 um, pandemic into consideration. And that if you need that care, you should, you should reach out as soon as possible. All right. And for folks who are listening to this, if you're not uh, in need of care, but you do care about this issue, um, we would also uh, suggest Women Have Options, um, and we'll put the uh, link for podcast listeners in the show notes, uh, womenhaveoptions.org. Um, this is their annual bowlathon season. Of course, the actual bowling um, postponed. The fundraising yeah. that goes along with the bowlathon, not postponed. They're a terrific resource to donate to. Um, their phones have been ringing off the hook with people who uh, maybe just lost their job, but you know still need that procedure and need financial assistance. Um, maybe there's somebody who uh, needs transportation to or from a clinic. Um, women have options are amazing. 
Uh, Stephanie Craddock Sherwood, their executive director, is a, a friend of the show. She's been on the podcast before. Um, uh, they need financial assistance to continue this. So if you're someone who's uh, you know, a pro-choice individual listening to our show, thanks for listening. And if you have a couple extra bucks to spare, uh, womenhaveoptions.org is a terrific uh, resource to donate to. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and look, I understand that not everyone is in a position to donate um, right now. Um, but if you are, um, please do that. Um, you know, the, the need for abortion care, the need for um, assistance, you know, the assistance that people will require, the, the advocacy that, that needs to happen is all heightened right now. And uh, so if you are someone who's in a position to do that, um, the message is, please do that. Um, your, your help is needed. And, and I know that when things like this go on, people always want to know, what can I do to help? Um, that, you know, even if it's, you know, five, 10, $20, you know, if everyone who can do that does that, it makes a world of difference. Right. Um, and, and if people want to get involved on a more political legislative, uh, angle, they can go to prochoiceohio.org, uh, and donate to us too. Um, yes, yes. And, and I have to say, you know, to those who were part of, um, the reproductive health happy hour uh, that we did remotely um, last night um, to people who are following us on social media, signing our petitions, um, calling and uh, contacting uh, Attorney General Yost. Just want to say thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you. Um, our organizers and Gabe um, and Jamie, um, our whole team, um, those that, that you see often um, or hear often on this podcast and those who work more behind the scenes. Um, you know, I'm just going to take a moment of personal privilege and say um, this team is fighting tooth and nail right now for you, even as they're all dealing with flooded basements and kids at home and spouses sharing offices and dogs yep. barking and um, trying to get toilet paper, um, you know, all of the things that everyone else is dealing with. Um, I just want our, our uh, supporters to know that uh, the fight is ongoing and relentless and, um, you know, we've just, you know, we're keeping it going. Right. Um, we wanted to flag uh, a couple of the resources, people who they can turn to online just for other general information. Um, one voice who's kind of come forward uh, as a medical professional who knows about this and is presenting information um, from a learned point of view, uh, Dr. Daniel Grossman. Yeah, I mean, he has um, long been, I think, an important voice about abortion access, about contraception. You know, he is an expert on so many of those issues. And his um, presence on Twitter lately has just been really important. He's been, he's uh, with the University of California, San Francisco. Um, if you want to follow him, he's at D-R-D Grossman, which is G-R-O-S-S-M-A-N, um, Dr. Daniel Grossman. He has been providing an expert's view and ex an explanation of why abortion care is time sensitive, 
Um, how many uh, personal protective equipment pieces are used during procedures, how few actually are necessary. He's been talking about um, medication abortion. Um, he's been talking about what organizations um, have been saying. And for anyone who has questions about that, um, I would really uh, recommend uh, following him on Twitter. He's he's uh, a global expert on these issues, and we're really lucky to have his voice. Right. Yeah, he um, he's been involved um, in his own way on several of the issues that we've been facing over the years, uh, including some of the harebrained ideas that Representative John Becker had. The <laughs> the let's trans plant and ectopic pregnancy. Uh, Dr. Grossman is very quick to clarify, no, 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 that's that's not a thing. You're just making stuff up and putting it into legislation. So. I mean, and honestly, you know, I have had friends, people very close to me who've experienced ectopic pregnancies um, and prayed and wished that that were so, that that was uh, an option, that they'd be able to continue their pregnancies safely. Right. Uh, you know, that a global expert like Dr. Grossman has to come in and fact check um, a legislator in Ohio who's putting forward this, you know, science fiction version of whatever his reality is. I mean, who the hell knows um, what goes on in this man's mind? Um, but, you know, I often, I'm often grateful for experts like Dr. Grossman, but then sometimes I feel bad for them. I'm like, oh, you went to medical school, you've gone through all of this training, you've become a global expert, and what do you spend your time doing? Batting down nonsense. <laughs> it's, right. uh, I'm glad he's able to do it, but <sighs> I wish it wasn't necessary. Right. Uh, okay, so we got like five minutes left here. Um, somebody else that people can follow on Twitter for good information, especially since the primary has been officially rescheduled, uh, I'm just tacking on to the end of our agenda here, uh, is ACLU of Ohio. Um, yes. They are great partners uh, and really important in clarifying how and when people will be able to vote because the primary was um, extended. It wasn't postponed, really, because people have been voting. Uh, how's this working? <laughs> well, um, like everything, it's confusing. Um, Common Cause Ohio is another group who's working on this, and um, I'm actually looking at a graphic that they put out on Twitter about what is the latest information. So absentee voting has been extended through April 28th. So if you've not voted yet, you must request a ballot by visiting voteohio.gov or your local um, county Board of Elections. Um, they are saying you can also call your local Board of Elections because, hey, not every, I mean, we're ordered to stay at home and not everyone has a printer. So um, according to them, you can call your local Board of Elections to request an absentee ballot. Um, once you get that in the mail, um, you uh, need to uh, get it back. It has to be postmarked by April the 27th or turned in to the County Board of Elections by hand up through, I assume it's 7 or 7.30 on April 28th, which is the deadline for getting your absentee ballot in. My understanding is that if you are not able to do that, um, um, perhaps because you are dealing with um, domestic violence or um, some sort of a disability that you can talk to your um, county board of elections and there may be 
some other um, options available to you. I don't have the latest information on that, but um, you know, if you haven't already voted, um, please do everything that you can to um, get an absentee ballot and get it back in time. Um, if what's happening in this pandemic shows us anything, it's that elections matter and that the people who are in office um, can have a, a life and death and a profound impact on yours and your family's well-being and your, your lives. So, you know, now more than ever, voting is important. Right. Um, you can get more information on all of that at voteohio.gov. Um, that is the Ohio Secretary of State's website, which has been reconfigured uh, to now include all of the information that the state legislature just yesterday uh, voted to approve. Um, there was a bunch of confusion about the primary uh, when it got postponed, but now it does appear that um, all of the you know, Republican and Democrat, House and Senate and the governor's office, uh, all on the same page moving forward. Um, you've got more than a month now to get in your mail-in ballot uh, to continue to vote uh, in the primary. If you go to ProChoiceOhio.org, uh, you'll also be able to view uh, our primary endorsements. It's right there on the front page of the website. Uh, click on endorsements and you'll see uh, the candidates for the state legislature uh, that have been endorsed by Narrow Pro-Choice Ohio. So check those out. Visit uh, voteohio.gov uh, and you can still vote in the primary election. Please, <laughs> please vote. Um, and, um, you know, it's, we don't know uh, how all those, all those things are are going to um, turn out if there'll be any legal challenges. So, and a month sounds like a long time, but when you're talking about boards of elections, um, fun fact, when I was in college, I worked for the Summit County Board of Election. Um, you know, that can be a short amount of time for them to get um, a lot of new absentee ballots printed, get them mailed out, for you to be mailing things back. I don't know if the rest of you have been watching the uh, letter carriers and the the other delivery people from FedEx, UPS, Amazon, um, just hustling. Um, you know, I, a month isn't a ton of time. Um, I, I, every day when I see my uh, letter carrier come whizzing by, I mean, I've, I've never seen them moving so fast. So they're doing the best they can, but they, they're really overloaded right now. So don't horse around. Get on top of it if you can. Right. Yep. Okay. So everybody take care. Um, protect yes. your health, protect your vote, uh, protect your rights. <laughs> yeah. um, and we'll see you all next week. Take care, everybody. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.